Hello and welcome to Finch Shots Daily. In today's episode, we see why Bernanke, Diamond, and Dibwig won the Nobel Prize in Economics. Let's start with the question: Why should a bank exist? It's a trivial question in some ways, but not so trivial if you are an economist. Before 1980, banks were primarily thought of as intermediaries connecting borrowers and lenders. This relationship was assumed. But in assuming the obvious, economists failed to formally establish their role in the economy in aiding growth and in crippling it. This is most apparent when you consider the discourse surrounding the Great Depression. Between 1929 and 1933, total economic output in the United States fell by nearly 30 percent. During the same period, the unemployment rate rose from 3 percent to nearly 25 percent. It was an economic collapse of epic proportions. Initially, most economists pinned the blame on reckless investments and mass infrastructure spending. The argument was that people invested in these assets in the hope of extracting a king's ransom, only to find out that they didn't hold as much promise as originally envisioned. And when those expectations soured, the eventual crash led to what we now know as the Great Depression. Stock prices tanked, wages declined, and the economy cratered. but banks didn't feature in this explanation however in 1963 milton friedman and anna schwartz offered a more elaborate explanation one that radically transformed our understanding of the great depression they believed that money supply was at the center of it all their argument went something like this the central bank at the time decided to counter the crisis by raising interest rates They believed this would prevent reckless stock market investors from borrowing and investing money in speculative assets, and it did. However, the increase in the interest rate also choked off money supply. Individuals and businesses couldn't borrow money even if they desperately needed it. This affected economic output and eventually exacerbated the depression. Alongside this, you also had fragility in the banking system. A sense of panic crept in. People were worried about their deposits. They weren't entirely sure if the banks could come good on their commitment. And as the hysteria grew, people withdrew their fund on mass, and banks began tumbling like dominoes. The few surviving banking institutions laid off employees and scaled down operations. The total money supply took a beating once again. Now, this explanation was extremely convincing. It formally recognized the importance of the banking system. and it showed how bank failures were in some ways responsible for the great depression but it still didn't capture the full extent of the banking system's involvement in aiding or hampering economic output until 1983 when ben bernanke would offer another complimentary view of why banks were central to the crisis it wasn't just the money supply he said the failure of the banking system also imposed a cost on both lenders and borrowers Without banks a small business owner would have great difficulty sourcing funds at an attractive interest rate a pensioner with a few hundred dollars wouldn't be able to channel their savings to good borrowers and bernanke showed how this collapse in banking relationships could affect economic output in summary banks must survive an economic recession if they don't the recession could soon give way to a catastrophe Soon two other economists Diamond and Dibwig would build on this and formally establish the role banks assume in an economy in other words they showed why banks exist in the first place 
For instance, if depositors only cared about a return on investment, they'd find those avenues themselves. You could in principle extend a loan to a real estate developer and extract a sizable return on your investment. But you don't do this. Instead, you go to a bank. You go to a bank because you expect to access your funds on short notice, even if the bank sets it aside elsewhere. They extend easy access to your funds and a return on your investment. They set aside only a small portion of your deposits and use the rest to extend long-term loans. Sure, they won't always have the money to pay back everyone, if everyone demanded it at once. But they know that it is unlikely to happen and this assumption works pretty well in most cases. But what if there was a bank run? What if people panicked and sought their deposits all at the same time? Then yes, banks would be in trouble. But Diamond and Dibwig also showed how deposit insurance could prevent such an eventuality. They showed how a simple promise from a third party to fully cover your deposit in the event of a bank failure could prevent people from making mass withdrawals. And while this may all sound intuitive, Diamond and Dibwig formally established this relationship using mathematical models. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense to you right now, but let us offer you an example. In Principia Mathematics, Bertrand Russell and Alfred North Whitehead would describe a proof starting from the very basic axioms that 1 plus 1 is equal to 2. It would take them 360 pages to do so. In establishing this very basic relationship, they would describe what 1, what 2, what plus and what equals to actually means using formal logic. And while Bernanke, Diamond and Dibwig didn't exactly formalize the very tenets of economics, they did establish the mathematical foundation to study and understand banking systems. As the Nobel Committee writes, quote, Modern banking research clarifies why we have banks, how to make them less vulnerable in crisis, and how bank collapses exacerbate financial crises. The foundation of this research were laid by Ben Bernanke, Douglas Diamond, and Philip Dibwig in the early 1980s. Their analyses have been of great practical importance in regulating financial markets and dealing with financial crises. Unquote. That's why they won the Nobel Prize. Thank you for listening to today's episode. FinShots Daily is available on a bunch of streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Until next time.